Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Centuries and Saints. I am Scott Matson, your host for this podcast. Now, we are right in the middle of a series of sermons and teachings that I had the opportunity to teach and preach in the local church a couple years back at Applegate Christian Fellowship, the home church where I served in Southern Oregon before my wife and I moved to Oklahoma. So this is a message taken from the book of Hebrews entitled Deep Rest. I hope it's a blessing to you. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Did you all sleep well? Yeah, me too. I think that was the best night's sleep I've ever had on the mountaintop. So thank you, Don, and for whatever you did. You appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You hold up nothing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You were paying attention on Wednesday. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Man, what a great retreat this has been so far. Uh, for myself, I know rest, don't strive. God's got it. He's going to get us where we're supposed to be. Um, that, was, that was prophetic for me last night uh, for some things in my life as well. Uh, and then with Pastor John sharing kind of that same theme uh, from 1 Corinthians just now. Fantastic. So yeah, this has been a great, great retreat uh, for me and I trust for all of you as well. And so uh, it's been nice to hang out with you guys. So I'm excited to get into the word. Uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament into the book of Numbers. Uh, so we will go <clears throat> turn with me, if you would, uh, to Numbers chapter 22. And uh, this is a familiar story probably for all of you. And um, I'm just going to be honest up front, a lot of what I have this morning I actually stole from Pastor John. So, <laughs> so and he's here now, and I, great. So, <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so in Numbers 22... Uh, this is that famous account uh, with Numbers 22 and 23 and 24, uh, where Balaam, the, the prophet Balaam, he goes and he, he gets recruited uh, by a guy named Balak, similar name, who's the king of the Moabites, uh, to curse the people of Israel. Uh, because the people of Israel, this is during their desert wanderings. Uh, as you guys know, they were wandering in the desert for 40 years until... Uh, all the generation of people 20 years old and upward died uh, because of their unbelief. And so they're wandering through the wilderness, through the desert uh, on this journey. And God is being so gracious to them. As you guys know from, from the stories, he gives them manna, their daily bread. Uh, he provides them water. That rock follows them in the desert. You know, and, and through that rock, he gives them water. So he provides for their needs, even though they're always constantly uh, grumbling, complaining. Uh, you guys know that. You guys know these stories. And so uh, he's giving them victory over their enemies. And so in Numbers 22, uh, they go to a certain place and they encamp. They pitch their tents and they camp there. Uh, and this place is very near Moab. And so Balak, the king of the Moabites, and Moab, they were a constant enemy of Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, they're constantly at war with the Israelites. And so Balak now gets kind of scared. He gets a little bit nervous uh, because the Israelites who have recently had uh, military victories, they encamp right next to, to Moab. And so Balak gets scared. And so Balak, he recruits a guy named Balaam, uh, who's a false prophet, not an Israelite, 
he was a sorcerer, and he recruits Balaam to come and to curse the Israelites. He thinks, okay, if I can get this guy to pronounce his thing and do his divination against the Israelites, they'll be cursed, and I'll have victory over them. Uh, little did Balak know that the true God was with Israel, thankfully. And so that's kind of what's happening here in the context. So with that, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 7 of Numbers 22, and you can follow along with me. Uh, and it says this, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company, speaking of Israel, will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Does that language sound familiar to anyone? Genesis 12. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Okay, so interesting picture there, right, of what's going on. And so Balaam here, he is scared, or Balak, pardon me, is scared to death. And so he sends his people to go to Balaam to hire, to hire Balaam to curse the people for him. And I find it interesting in verse six that Balak says to Balaam, he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. And like I said, does that sound familiar to anyone? Genesis 12, what did God say to Abraham? I will bless you. You know, he who blesses you, I will bless. He who curses you, I will curse. And so it's interesting to me here, God gave that promise to Abraham in Genesis. Now, an enemy of God is saying the same thing against God's people. And kind of what strikes me here in this passage uh, is that the enemy was afraid. The enemy was fearing the people of God. And in a way, I think, fearing God himself. But what's interesting to me about this and how this kind of ties into our theme of being at rest rather than being depressed um, is that this is all happening and the people of Israel have no idea. They don't know what's going on. You know, uh, this is written later, as we know, by Moses, you know, looking back. But the people of Israel here, they have no idea what's going on. They're just following the cloud. Uh, as, as Pastor John was just saying to us, as the Lord just leads us, you know, each day as we go along and we're on the bus, whichever bus we're on, that's where the Lord has us. And it's the same with the people of Israel here in the Old Testament. The cloud of God's presence would literally move. They would pack up their tents and they would just follow the cloud. And the cloud would move and then when it stopped, it's like, all right. And they would just pitch their tents again and, and they would just be there with God until he decided to move, whether it was for a day or for a year or whatever it was. And so the people of Israel here, they're just following God, walking with God each day. And they have no idea 
that this whole big scene is going on around them. And so I find that interesting because it reminds me that God is protecting his people all the time. He's always constantly watching over his people. And that was true for his people Israel, and that's also true for us. Now as his bride, the bride of Christ, uh, he is constantly watching over each and every one of you and me and all of us, even Don. He's constantly watching over Don's sample too. Did you know that, Don? Uh, yeah. Yeah, good, yeah, okay. Anyway, I, I love teasing Don, it's fun. And then he gets back at me, but anyway. Um, yeah, so guys, God is constantly watching over his people. And then we know that he's watching over us. And so that for us means that we can, each day as we go through this life, uh, we can be at rest. Just enjoy the Lord, walk with him each and every day. And know that the enemy's attacks and the enemy's intentions and designs um, against our lives individually, against the church corporately, uh, all the things that we see happening uh, you know, in this country, in the world, um, all the craziness that's going on. And it seems like sin is just constantly uh, in our faces, on the news and even in our own lives. God knows and he's got it and he's with us. So we don't have to strive in, a, in that sense. We can rest and know that God is for us. He's got us in his hand. Well, continuing on in Numbers 22, look with me at verse 10 and read a couple more verses. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying, look, the people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. I love this here. God talks to this man, Balaam, this pagan uh, magician, and God tells him, you shall not curse these people, Balaam. They're blessed. They're my people. You shall not curse them. Now we're going to keep going with the story here, and, and we'll see that Balaam, of course, continues to basically disobey and, and tries to get God to let him do it. And I love it. We'll see. God, God has the last laugh here. And I know you guys know the story, but this whole thing for me is just so wonderful because I keep having in my mind this picture of, of this big, massive group of people camped in this valley and these, these ungodly men who are trying to curse them and they have no idea what's going on. But God is watching over them as a faithful father, uh, faithfully protecting his people uh, as a shepherd protects his flock. And of course, that takes me back to Jesus in John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd, you know. Um, we all know, if you guys have ever been around sheep, um, I haven't, but I've heard the stories that sheep are not the brightest animals. They just sort of walk around, they try and butt people with their heads, and they'll just follow each other off cliffs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just, it's great to remember that our Lord is the good shepherd. He's got us. He protects us. He watches over us and and he keeps us from walking off the cliff, which we all probably would have done many times uh, had he not uh, kept us from doing that. <laughs> I know I would have, that's for sure. Uh, well, continuing on in, in chapter 22, and uh, verse 19, Balaam says, Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. So Balaam here is negotiating with uh, the Moabites. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, 
that you shall do. So first God said, nope, you're not going with them. Don't curse them. Uh, They try and convince Balaam. So Balaam goes back to God and he asks God again, hey, can I do this? Can you go with them? And God says, yeah, okay, you can go with them. You can go with them, Balaam. And, And I love here because God is just orchestrating this whole thing. God knows exactly what he's doing. God's gonna let this happen. He's gonna let these two men try and curse his people. And like I said, God is going to have the last laugh. And so uh, I love this story. So let's keep reading. Uh, Verse 31, and and I'm kind of skipping around here, but uh, it's for the sake of time. Uh, Verse 31, Balaam is going to to go with with the, the Moabites to curse Israel, and he's on his way. And you guys know the story of the talking donkey uh, where the donkey sees the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword and the angel is going to kill Balaam uh, for his disobedience. And so the donkey stops and Balaam curses the donkey and the donkey talks back to him. And Balaam then talks back to the donkey, which is really, <laughs> I would love to see a replay of this scene. That would be so wild. Yeah, it's just, there's, no, there's nothing in scripture that tells us that Balaam was astonished the, don- the donkey said something to him. It's like, what in the world? You know? just starts talking to him. So interesting. Anyway, so after that, uh, it says, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And this is after the donkey like broke his foot or whatever happened. And he says, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. (laughs) And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. And this is interesting. Balaam here is offering to repent, but the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that shall you speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. So Balaam here in his sin, he offers to repent and God says, no, go, go with them. And I believe it's because God wanted to do something incredible for his people. Uh, And we're gonna see here in a couple minutes as we wrap up uh, that Balaam actually, it's amazing Balaam gives one of the most beautiful and profound messianic prophecies, uh, pointing forward to Jesus. It's amazing, this ungodly man who uh, has taken the wages of a pagan king to curse God's people, and God uses him to speak one of the most beautiful things uh, in, in Scripture. It's absolutely incredible. And as we continue on and we look at the rest of this story, again, I just want to remind all of us, um, the people of Israel here, they are being sovereignly protected by God's hand. Uh, They have no idea what's going on. Uh, They've got their own problems. They're grumbling, they're complaining, they're sinning. Uh, Remember in Exodus 20, when when God gave uh, the the covenant there to Moses and the 10 commandments, and God engraves his law on the stones, you know, with his finger, his hand. And before Moses can even finish his conversation, the people are already breaking the law. You know, they're already dancing naked around a golden calf and committing idolatry and uh, other kinds of sin. And God says, Moses, get down the mountain. The people are already, basically, they're already completely messed up. You know, it didn't take long. And 
Uh, I know for myself that's very true. Uh, you know, I find myself all the time just like, what in the world am I doing? Why did I do that, Lord? Uh, but even in the midst of all of that, and I, I know that none of you in here can relate to that. Um, that's, but uh, even in the midst of all that, we can all be really encouraged. And again, with the theme of this retreat, we can be at rest, knowing that our God is for us and that he's got us and that he, in his sovereignty and his power, he is protecting his bride. He's protecting his people. And again, that's you and me. That's us as, as those who've been adopted by him as sons and daughters through faith in Christ. And so we can really be at rest in that and, and cease our striving and knowing that we have been forgiven and we've been adopted as his sons and daughters, as his people. And he's faithful to us. And so, yeah. One more reason I love this story uh, here. And so... Uh, really quickly, if you guys can, turn with me to Psalm chapter 4. I uh, just want to bounce around for a second here. I love Psalm chapter 4. And I just want to read verses 6 through 8 real quick, because it just kind of goes along with the things that we're talking about right now. Uh, Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8. And the psalmist writes, There are many who say, Who will show us any good? And then he prays and says, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. So even when material abundance was taking place and prosperity was happening, as great as that is, Lord, you've put gladness in my heart, which is even greater than that. And then Lord, with all, you know, with all that gladness in my heart, he says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And what a perfect verse, uh, at least for, for me, uh, with the things that, again, uh, were shared last night and this morning already, uh, to really encapsulate what this retreat, uh, at least for me personally, has been about. You know, all the great things that God is doing, uh, you know, in, in our church and in my life personally right now, some, some really cool things are happening and that's wonderful, and I love it. But God has put gladness in my heart, uh, knowing that I've been saved, that I've been reconciled to him, uh, given eternal life in Christ. And that, that's the thing that can't be shaken. You know, circumstances change, life can fall apart. Um, you guys know, to varying degrees, we've all uh, been through some brutal stuff in life. Some of us more than others, and well, some of you definitely more than, than me. Um, but no matter what we go through, you know, we have that one thing, uh, the presence of God with us. You know, he's put that gladness in our hearts. And so with that, we can be in deep rest uh, rather than being depressed all the time. So back to Numbers, uh, back to Numbers chapter 23, uh, just continuing on really quickly here to wrap up. Um, I want to read verses 7 through 10 in chapter 23. And this is Balaam's first prophecy where he goes to try and curse the people of Israel. And check out what he says. And he, Balaam, took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. And Balaam's prophecy, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him there, a people dwelling alone, 
not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. So Balaam recognizes here, man, God has blessed these people. Who could even count them? Who could reckon all that they have and all that they are? Man, may, may the end of my life be just like Israel. That's what Balaam says here, this pagan, ungodly man. And so I love again here, he's trying to curse them, but God just puts these words in his mouth of blessing, of blessing over his people. And then on into verse 18, Balaam's second prophecy. Balaam again, this is the second time. Balak is frustrated, takes him to a different spot overlooking the people of Israel. And Balaam says, rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It must now be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Second prophecy. Again, talking about God's faithfulness to Israel. And did you catch in the middle of that? He says, God has not observed iniquity in Jacob. That to me blows my mind because if you just read the, the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, God constantly saw iniquity in Jacob and in Israel. They were constantly sinning against him. But I love this because in the grace of God, and for us we know as, as Christians, uh, through the blood of Christ and through his death in our place and resurrection, the Father doesn't behold iniquity in you and me. The Father sees us, as we know, hidden in Christ, robed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus. And so when the Father looks upon you and upon me, those of us who have been saved, he literally doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our iniquity. He sees us in his perfect son uh, who lived and died and rose again for us. Isn't that awesome, Ricky? I know, I love it. It's amazing. That's the Short buses count as buses too. That's right. <laughs> I love you, Ricky. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's great, man. I love it. And yeah, it's so beautiful. And uh, man, with that, those words there of salvation, we can just rest. We can rest in the Lord. Um, and I just want to read to you guys really quick something out of Romans. You, you don't need to turn there, but uh, just really quickly. Romans chapter eight, uh, verse 31, a couple of verses. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. It's Romans 8, 31 through 34. 
And it's because of that God does not behold iniquity in his people because the blood of his son has taken it away and his righteousness has cleansed us. Such an incredible truth um, and an amazing salvation we've been given in Christ. It's really quite amazing. Uh, So real quick here to finish up, uh, chapter 24 in Numbers, verse 3, and I want to read Balaam's third prophecy when again he's attempting to curse the people uh, for the king of Moab. And he says this, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you. Sound familiar? And cursed is he who curses you. So Balaam here just repeats the covenant promise of God to Abraham. And Balaam just praises what God has done in Israel, how he's blessed them, how he's prospered them. This man who's trying to curse the people, uh, all he can do is look at them and bless them. And God will not allow him to curse his people. And then finally, uh, starting in verse 14, Balaam's fourth and final prophecy. And here I kind of almost get the, uh, the feeling as I read this, Balaam almost just sort of gives up and just says, oh, all right, I'll just bless him again. That's almost what it feels like. And this is that, that messianic prophecy that's so beautiful here. Uh, so I'm going to read these verses and then we'll, we'll be done here. What the Lord says, that I must speak, starting in verse 14. And now indeed, I am going to my people. He's going to go back home. Come, I will advise you, talking to the king of Moab, what this people, Israel, will do to your people in the latter days. Remember, Balak, the king of Moab, hired Balaam to curse Israel because he was afraid that Israel would destroy his people, the Moabites. And Balaam says, okay, I'm going to tell you now what the Israelites are going to do to you in the latter days. And Balaam took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. And here's this beautiful prophecy. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies shall be a possession while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Then Balaam looks on Amalek and says, Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. Then Balaam looks on the Kenites and says, Firm is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned. How long until Asher carries you away captive? And then Balaam finishes up and says, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the coast of Cyprus, and they shall afflict Asher and afflict Eber. And so shall Amalek until he perishes. And then it says, so Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also 
went his way. And that closes out that narrative in those three chapters. And I, again, just to close out here to finish up, to make this point, what an incredible passage here where this man tries to curse God's people four different times and God just won't let it happen because God is faithful to his people. And this is especially the part that I stole from Pastor John. Um, when, as you read this and you look at the narrative here with Balaam and Balak standing up on these cliffs or these mountains or whatever, looking down at the encampment of Israel, uh, if one of the places they were at, if you look down, the people, the way they're camped, would be camped literally in the form of a cross, which I think is just an incredible, incredible picture. Um, they, of course, these two pagan people wouldn't have known what that meant, but we do. We do. Uh, we, no matter how much the enemy tries to curse us, uh, no matter how much, in a sense, we try and curse ourselves with our sin and our repeated failures, um, we are under the shadow of the cross, so to speak. We are hidden in Christ, as Paul says in Colossians 3, uh, robed in his righteousness. And through his blood, we've been forgiven. And through his death and resurrection, we have been saved, we've been justified. And God the Father has adopted us as his children and made us like we never sinned. And so that is good news. And for that reason, we can be at deep rest, not depressed. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. For Centuries and Saints, this is Scott Matson. And once again, you just heard a sermon I preached at Applegate Christian Fellowship in Southern Oregon a couple years ago entitled Deep Rest. And I pray it was a blessing to you. So would you please go to our podcast page and write us a review, give us a rating. We really appreciate it. And check out my website, scottwmatson.com. That would be great as well. So until next time, for centuries and saints, may God bless you.